2: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Hi, I'm Michael Rapport, And I'm Kiwi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. podcast.
1: mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine the Sports Betting
4: Network. It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience right here on V the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you as we're gonna be talking a lot of college sports here. College basketball and college football is on the docket. Gonna lead off with a little bit of college f- basketball in this segment and then. You go college football for the next two. As Stephanie Odi, who does a great job over at Lineups and the Big Ten Network, is going to be joining me, and then we're also going to be joined by Kobe Dant, who does terrific work over with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and Kobe is going to join me towards the back half of the hour as well as we're going to take a look at some of the games on this college basketball betting board for Wednesday as well. So you've got a lot of fun coming up, and hey, up to three in a row with regards to DK Nation picks. Feeling good about that, and feeling good in general, that I get to work with all the guys I do. Here on the Greg Peterson Experience, we've got so many people behind the scenes that put in all the work because I've got a microphone in front of me and it doesn't put itself there. That would be my wonderful friend, Taylor, that does a great job whether you're listening on VEASAN.com, the iHeartRadio app, Terrestrial Radio. He gets me all set up. He does absolutely amazing work. you got graphics on the screen here. I cannot control them because I trying to control graphics, host a radio show all at the same time. It's just not feasible. We need some help, and the guy that does that, that would be our good friend Dakota. He does absolutely amazing work, one of the best that you're going to find. And then we've got Jason. He does a great job booking all these guests, and he's got the most difficult job. I mean, trying to keep me in line, that is not easy to say. At least somehow, some way, Jason's able to do that, and he's got an extra grin on his face because – if the Arizona Cardinals win each other or lose each other next three games, I have to do a stupid TikTok dance, which good grief. We're down to Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley, if you're hearing me, I beg, I plead, don't play like Trace McSorley. Please help us out. So we're, we're right now feeling like it's not great there, and that's making Jason very, very happy. And I am very happy that Every single thing that we post up, all the good, the bad, like Trace McSorley and what have you, everything goes up on com slash podcast and able to subscribe wherever your podcast, every single hour of every single show that we do here on the network, whether it's a Greg Peterson experience, whether it's VEASAN big bets, whether it's Prime Time, follow the money list goes on and on. That all goes there, and Sean is the man that is in charge of that and does a terrific job there. So, I mean, all these guys, they do tremendous work, and they're working very hard. They're working through the holidays for you guys, and credit where credit is due. I know that there's so many of you guys are going to be enjoying the holidays with your friends and family. For those of you guys that are working, trust me, it it does not go unnoticed to me. It might go unnoticed to some, but, I mean, everyone has a little bit of a job to do, and, some of those jobs involve working holidays. I knew that getting into this industry. And I know that there are many of you that you might be at a gas station. You may be working in a hospital. Some of you still are milking cows on Christmas Day. I mean, trust me, that effort, it certainly is a very, very Herculean one. And it deserves a lot of credit. So give yourself a pat on the back if you're going to be working this Christmas. Because we'll be with you as well. And we're also with you with regards to the DK Nation pick for today. as. We've given enough thanks. Now we've just got to be able to make some money right about now, and we're going to be looking to a Big East play to be able to do so. As it's Villanova versus St. John's on the betting board, it's towards the top of it, 685, 686. With Villanova, they open up a three and a half point favorite. Now they're up to a four and a half point favorite, and your total on this game is anywhere between 146 and 146 and a half. And I like Villanova in this spot. I set them as an eight point favorite. The Deacon Asian pick is going to be on Villanova being able to lay the points and. I recognize that the records are 6-5 with Villanova, 11-1 with St. John's. Take a look at who these teams have played. And for the St. John's bunch, they have knocked off two teams with a record above 500. they They've been beating up on teams like Long Island. They were able to take it to New Hampshire. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, you've got Villanova playing on the road to Michigan State within two points. They had to play in the pk 85 slash. The Phil Knight Invitational, those were some tough games. And things have really turned around ever since Cam Whitmore got back in the fold for the team. Cam Whitmore, a top 25 recruit and really either the best or the second best recruit that Villanova has been able to get in the 21st century, depending upon how the site aggregate that you insert here rated by, by Brian Antoine. So he's really been able to make an impact. Since he's been able to get in the fold, now you've got actual depth for Villanova. He's been able to provide about 12 points, five and a half rebounds per game. And for Villanova, with the losses they took earlier in the season, you hate to say, oh, they just got unlucky or something like that. But you take a look at the three-point shooting variance, and it was terrible. Now, Villanova needs to shape up a little bit with their three-point shooting defense, but I they were just getting the short end of the stick, to say the least, and that just sometimes happens in basketball. I do think that a way to... Be able to mitigate this a little bit. is taking a look at a few more totals just because with regards to totals, yeah, it's still based on being able to make buckets, but it's a little bit easier to break tempo rather than who's going to have the hot and cold hand in my opinion. And when it comes to this Villanova team, now they've been able to get a little bit more of that positive fortune to go their way. Each of the last three games, opponents have been shooting 29 and a half percent from three point range. While before opponents were shooting more like 38% from three point range. And you got to John's team that, They rank about 275th in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. shooting 31.3% from distance. You've got a pair of guards in Andre Cabrello and Pasha Alexander. They do a nice job doling out the ball. They combine for about 10 assists per game. They generate about four steals per game, but they also are walking turnovers as well. St. John's, they're turning the ball over 14 times per game, and when it comes to a spread like this where it's 3.5 and and 4, it can come down to late-game fouling. what team creates the stupid turnover or not, and you know what Villanova does a good job of? not beating themselves. They shoot over 83% of the free throw line. That is second in all of college basketball. They turn the ball over 9.2 times per game. That is second in all of college basketball. They've got good ball security. You do have a pair of guys in Eric Dixon along with Caleb Daniels. They've been able to combine for about 32 points, 11 rebounds per game. Everyone on the floor for Villanova able to pull in there those boards. Joel Soriano, he certainly has been a double-double machine for St. John's, but I still think that Villanova can be able to match up very well, and I do think that they're going to do a nice job of sort of getting this game a little bit more slow, get this game in the muck in general, so I do think that that is a way to be able to take a look at this, as well as Villanova. They're in the bottom 35 in all of college basketball in terms of total possessions per game. I did set my total at a 146.5, so here at 146, it's pretty much the last stand for an over, just because I think both teams are going to be efficient on both offense and defense. You've got a St. John's team that they're looking to gun it. They're in the top 50 nationally in terms of possessions per game. Villanova, they're in the bottom 30 nationally. Typically, when you get these matchups, they typically do turn out to be in that mid 140 range. So I do think that taking a look at it right now, over is a play on 146. I'm personally going to let this marinate in the AM because if we get some sort of sea move up or down, it's going to give me a little bit more of an edge there. So I'm waiting to see there. But what I do like in terms of the DK Nation write-up, that would be Villanova laying the points as I set them more around an eight-point favorite. Now I'm talking about inefficient defenses here. Oh, how about if we take a look at this inefficient defense? Oakland, 683, 684 on the betting board. The Grizzlies of Oakland hit the road to face off against Michigan State. Michigan State opened up a 20.5-point favorite. Now they're between a 21 and a 21.5-point favorite. Your total on this game between 145 and 145.5. Oakland has been... One of, if not the biggest money-burning team in all of college basketball. They uh, have covered one spread this year. One. They have been absolutely terrible at just guarding anything. They can't guard the two. They can't guard the three. Heck, I don't know if they can guard their lunch from someone stealing it at this point. It's been absolutely terrible with this Oakland team. How great campy still has been around for 35 years and hasn't adapted to the fact that, you know what, you might want to play a little bit of a lick of defense. I recognize that. Basketball is going into the realm of three point shooting and what have you, but I mean, this is just deplorable. Out of 363 D1 teams, Oakland is 362nd and points a lot on a per possession basis, and this is a Rocket Waz revenge game. Rocket Waz began his career at Michigan State. He was a former top 75 recruit in the first year that he was Michigan State. He was terrific. Second year, he had a little bit of fall off, went to Mississippi State, did nothing there, and he's a liability when he's out there on the floor for Oakland. I just remember watching the game a couple of days ago against Boise State, and I, he just slows everything down. You've got Trey Townsend. You've got Keaton Harvey. These are two guys for Oakland that combine to shoot 32 points per game. They've got size, they You have a pop it from three-point range Or Rocket Watts. He's sort of a human black hole. You pass him the ball, and it's not coming back out, and it's not going to be going down into the basket either. It just goes into the abyss of the other team. So it's not been too terrific for him, to say the least. I think have got a Michigan State team that, I recognize that they aren't the masters of defensive efficiency either. As among your 363 D1 teams, they're clocking in close to 200 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, 150th. But with Michigan State, got a lot of guys that are able to do a solid job from three point range. As got Ty Walker is able to give you about 14 and a half points per game. Joey Hauser, he's able to pull in there right around six boards. He's shooting north of 40% from three point range. Having Malik Hall on the fold has hurt the team a little bit, but. They still got a lot of options that they're able to utilize. They didn't bring in anyone via the transfer portal, but they've been able to do a good job of taking a look at teams or taking a look at guys just via being freshmen, being able to step up. And if they're able to get Jaden Akins to go a little bit further, because I was expecting him to have that big year one to year two jump, that'll be all the more beneficial for them. But I typically don't like to lay big spreads. As I mentioned in my visa pro tip and our number one, in terms of these games, but Oakland just stinks that bad on defense. I wish I could put it any other way, but this is an Oakland team that there's a reason why they've covered only one spread, and it's because well, they don't know what they're doing on the defensive side of things. Michigan State not necessarily a blazer in terms of their tempo, but I do think that they're going to be able to get this total over, and I think that they're going to be having wide open shot after wide open shot. Set my total of 149. So seeing between 145 and 145 and a half, want to go over. Seen a little bit of line move from 20 and a half on the opener to more like 21. I'm still willing to lay up to 23. So I still do fee- see value with fading Oakland once again as they've covered one spread thus far this year. And a pair of people that do a much better job of covering more than one spread. That'd be Stephanie Odie. She does great work over at lineups and the Big Ten Network. And then you've got Kobe Dan. He does amazing work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're going to be joined by them next to take a look at full season here on the Great Peterson Experience on VSIM, the Sports Bank Network.
5: and these stories are about how we got here both on and off the court and what's next listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
6: you're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on FSN
1: the sports betting network
4: Watch football with just a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash set your lineup and watch the action unfold as you play for your share of one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars all season long. Guinness made of more terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions, they do apply See DraftKings.com for details. We're back here on the Great Peterson experience on Visa V Sports Bank Network. Great to be joined by our two guests as we've got Stephanie Odie. She does great work over at Lineups and the Big Ten Network and Along with her, we've got Kobe Dent. He does absolutely terrific work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is great to be joined by both of you. And, well, when it comes to Wednesday, we've only got one bowl game that is going to be on. That would be this slobber between South Alabama and Western Kentucky. This is going down in the Caesars Super, Superdome with South Alabama being a 3.5 to a 4-point favorite. I'll throw this one at you, Kobe, first. I think in terms of the bowl action for Wednesday, it's a little bit of a light slate. If not, do not worry about that. But that said, we do have one game on the board, I guess.
7: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was on uh, South Alabama pretty much all year. They should have beat UCLA in Pasadena. I know Austin Reed, the quarterback for Western Kentucky, had a great year as a transfer from North Florida D2 school. But, you know, he flirted with the portal. He's coming back. But they're without a lot of key guys. A couple offensive linemen. They're top wide out. South Alabama has got minimal opt-outs, minimal injuries. I think they're the better team on the line of scrimmage. I'm going to lay the points with uh, South Bama there in uh, in,
4: in the Caesars uh, Superdome, they call it now, right? Yes, they do. They call it the Caesars Superdome. And with that also, you've got a little bit of an advantage for South Alabama in terms of travel as well. As we know, the great state of Alabama pretty close to Louisiana as well. So I can't blame you there. And Stephanie, I know you've been taking an approach – Much like myself, you've been focusing a little bit more on these New Year's Six Bowls, the college football playoff, what have you. Have you been noticing that it's just really tough to be able to gauge a lot of these smaller bowls? Like, for instance, the New Orleans Bowl that we were just talking about, the Independence Bowl that's coming up in a few days. Things like this with just so many opt-outs because I find it to be maddening when you take a look at it. Because by the time you figure out who's going to play, the line is moved by like a touchdown.
6: Yeah, so I was talking with some scouts and agents about this. How much of an impact should this be when a player opts out? And really ask them, what would you say to a player if you're advising them if they should do this? One said, uh, go with your heart. But really, it's up to them right now. They're gauging with different teams and seeing how much they need to put up. It shouldn't be that much of a fear of, of, of getting injured. It's more so showing, showing what you can do. It's more of a showcase, and this is your last shot because – As I always say, the combine isn't going to do as much as putting up a lot of tape. So I always make the comparison if you were a med student. You can study, 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 ace a test, but how do you apply that in surgery? It's the same thing. You know, you have to apply that into a game. So really getting this tape, I think, is the best thing for players. If you are one of those elite that don't need to play, that's an exception. But for the most part, most of these players should be playing in the bowl.
4: And go figure, a lot of the guys that are going to actually be those guys are like top 10 picks. A lot of the Alabama guys are actually going to be playing in their bowl game. Meanwhile, you got guys that are like fringe fifth round picks that they don't want to risk it as well. And Kobe, I want to throw this to you because I know that you've been taking a look at a lot of these smaller bowls and you've been having some success with it. How have you been really gauging all this as well? Because I feel like it's just one of the toughest things to gauge with regards to just any sports to bet at all, because I find with bowl season, it's just like you have to throw so much of the data out the window because you go from having one guy that's like thrown for 3,000 yards in a season and all of a sudden it's QB number four in some instances like we saw with BYU over the weekend.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's completely challenging, I would say. You know, this is something that has really evolved, I think, over the past five years and, and I think pure evidence why we need a large playoff. But, yeah, for handicapping, I, I think you look for motivation. Like my high handicap on the BYU game was I think BYU travels well. And Albuquerque's not that far from Provo, so that was my logic there. I also thought they were always going to be better along the line of scrimmage than SMU was. So, uh, you know, in these games, I feel like you have to look for that edge, and and that's kind of what I what I have been been doing for the most part. Now, some of them, I believe it was like the Louisville Cincinnati game. There's so many that I it was even hard to find an edge. You're just uh, that one. I just think you stay away from. But there are some I think where you can find a motivating
4: factor. Yep, and. I mean, I just took a look at like the famous Idaho potato bowl today. You have a game out in Idaho with a team coming up from San Jose, California, and you got one team from Eastern Michigan, you sort of know what team is going to be used to the elements a little bit more and go figure Eastern Michigan. They were able to pile up the points in that one as well. So sometimes handicaps that seem very, very basic rudimentary and easy. Well, sometimes they are the one that gets the job done. Now let's take a look at more of these big bowl games as Stephanie. I know you've got a lot in terms of these new year's six bowl games, and let's take a look at the one for Friday. This is going to be out in the great state of Florida. Clemson and Tennessee are going to be doing battle with Tennessee. They're a six point underdog, obviously the end in hooker injury. That was just very unfortunate for Tennessee. They were at one point, number one in all of college football. We knew that that probably wasn't going to be lasting long when they went up against Georgia, but still you feel for them. Meanwhile, for Clemson, They really just blew their shot at the college football playoff with when we saw late in the season against South Carolina. Where do you stand in terms of this game? Because I feel like there's a lot of motivation factors with really both of these teams, and it's a very strange game to gauge in general.
6: You just had to make me go there. I did not want to admit that I'm taking Clemson in this game. I've loved Tennessee all season and I'm so sad to see Hooker go down. They're losing a lot of pieces on offense. Their coordinators taking a head coaching position at Florida state. Then you lose Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. So really it it looks tough for Tennessee, which is just tragic to see the way they went down. Clemson they'll be without their, their first rounder defensive end and miles Murphy as well as Trenton Simpson. But you look at how Dabo finally was able to bench DJ and put in his next QB who's done well, Kate Klubnick, and really, I think that that's the X factor here. We've we've seen him make strides, really drive that ACC championship, so under him, I think that Clemson should roll in this one, and as much as I hate to admit it, he'll cover the five and a half.
4: Yeah, with Tennessee, it's just a really tough situation. When you lose Hendon Hooker and you have to go to number two. As we've been seeing with them, it's a pretty significant drop-off, especially when you're a high octane in offense like Tennessee. And I want to throw this at you, Kobe, as well, because I do think that is interesting that the total is 63-and-a-half because, as we know, the hallmark of Clemson, it is their defense. They're going up against a number-two option in terms of quarterback. And a total like 63-and-a-half, you'd think that this would be reserved for a game involving, well, not the Clemson defense. Where do you stand in terms of this one?
7: You know, I actually think I lean over and I mainly cause I think they got one of the cooks out the kitchen getting, uh, 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 DJ, Angale, DJ Yu, I like to say, cause I butcher his last name. I feel like every time I do I go, the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> getting him out of there. Look, and I wish the best for him. And I think, you know, he, he probably still will be able to, to land on his feet and be successful. But I think the team kind of, kind of knew it. And sometimes I think when you have two cooks in the kitchen, just, just get one out of there. I think the team's rallying behind club, Nick. I think they'll be able to uh to 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 score some points uh on a on a you know a Tennessee defense that yes they were improved, but I still think they're vulnerable. And then at the same time, Tennessee's secondary, I'm sorry, Clemson's secondary was not great this year. You saw Wake Forest exploit it. So maybe Joe Milton, you know, in the in the Vols can find some 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 spots to really uh, capitalize on a Clemson defense that didn't look the same. It was still really good but didn't look the same. I like the over, and I also like the Tigers to uh, to cover the spread.
4: Yep, I'm with you guys both. As long as this number stays below seven, I think that there's really good value on Clemson. Even though it's one from four to six, the move from four to six, in my opinion, not as significant as if it goes from six to seven because then you have to win by more than a full touchdown. So I do think that taking a look at just what we've got right now, still some relatively solid value there. And I was mentioning it before, Stephanie. One thing that was surprising is that we're talking about some of these bigger time guys, perhaps being able to opt out and the smaller guys, not Alabama is going to have most of their star players available in this game against Kansas state. And as a result, we've seen this line vault up. It opened up with Alabama being a five and a half point favorite. This is the sugar Bowl out there in new Orleans and We've seen it go up to to 6-6, where do you stand in terms of this game? Because I do think that it's very encouraging that Alabama could have most of their stars out there on the field.
6: Yes, both teams actually will have a lot. We saw uh, K-State's star running back, Deuce Vaughn, say that he's excited to play in the Superdome, really was excited to play in the Sugar Bowl after watching Zeke Elliott run on the Crimson Tide in that very stadium. Uh, So I'm not leaning towards a sign in this one. I'm staying away from it because – I've seen how Alabama does on the road lately, not as great as they have been this season. While Kansas State was a surprise to us all and really drove through the Big 12, surprising us all. I'm liking the under here. The Wildcats have momentum after beating TCU in that Big 12 championship. They're expected to have zero opt-outs. In Alabama, they've lost three of its last four Sugar Bowl appearances. They're just five, six, and one against the spread. They struggle on the road. K-State on the other side, nine, three, and one against the spread. So I lean toward Kansas State, but fading Alabama and the big ones sounds like a no-no for me. So while neither team is allowing more than 21.8 points, 373.8 total yards, or 19.6 first downs per game on this season, each of those in the top 50. I really like the under on this one. It's hit in seven of Kansas State's last nine games played in december as well as three of alabama's last five sugar bowl appearances
4: yep and expect the best from alabama as well because the last time they didn't make the college football playoff we were thinking oh alabama they're not in the playoff they might not care about this well they did and well i tried that fade and it did not work out so well but what always works out well is getting great guests on the show and stephanie Odie is certainly one and kobe danch is another and coming up next we're going to be taking a look at the college football playoff and Try to see if we get a pick on this Kentucky versus Iowa total next here on VSN the Sports Betting Network.
0: You're
1: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Place up your cleats with BetRivers Online Sportsbook and gear up because it is college bowl season. Log into to BetRivers every single game day and receive a bet on behalf of BetRivers when you place a wager of at least $25. BetRivers has all the latest lines, odds, and boosts to be able to create the perfect game day experience. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today to get in on all the action as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, being rejoined by Kobe Dant. He does terrific work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Likewise, we're Stephanie Odie over there at Lineups and the Big Ten Network. And Kobe, I'm going to throw this game at you first. We're going to be hitting upon the college football playoff games here in a second. Obviously, the marquee ones. But before that, we've got something that is marquee. And the reason why it's marquee is that it's a total Iowa versus Kentucky. I have never seen a non-military game have a total of 31 to thirty-one and a half like we have right now. Kobe, I give you the floor. Is this a case of which you take the over, you take the under, or you just create fun drinking games at home with the over and the under as well? Because I feel like you can't go wrong with any of those three.
7: Yeah. I think you might have to drink for every first down, right? I mean, <laughs> Might not even have a great night even, but uh, you know, it's, I actually think the under is the play here. Uh, you look at, first off, these teams just met uh, what last new year's, you know? So I, I, if anything, there's a slight motivational edge to Iowa cause they lost in a close one, but everyone is out. I mean, Chris Rodriguez, the star running back for Kentucky's out, obviously will Levis who's projected to be the top QB on the board, but even deeper than that, like Raymond Jefferson, the Sam Houston state transfer at running back. Uh, they also have Cavassier smoke who's, who's shown flashes before, but he hit the portal. So you're down to a fourth string running back. And then, you know, you're on your second string quarterback who we saw against South Carolina look terrible um, in, in Destin Wade. But at the same time, Iowa is on their third string quarterback because their second string quarterback hit the portal. I think you got to take the under here. I kind of think if anything, Iowa's defense, Will has the best chance of scoring and ruining your underplay, but I think you have to go under. I think this is like a 13, seven type of game, 13, 10 type of game. I, I I mean, I know this is uh this is like probably not the most entertaining game these days, but I like it. It's kind of an old school throwback. All right, let's go. Like, this is old school, <laughs> big 10 action. Give me, give me the under. I also think, I also think I was got the motivational side, even though they're on the third string quarterback.
6: Wow. Well. So I'll go.
4: Well, Kobe, I am a sucker for a lot of those games because I do more college basketball. When you get a total of like 120, taking the under and just watching brick after brick and cheering on shot clock violations, everyone else (laughs) in the room is like, what's wrong with you? it's like, I've got the under, this is absolutely terrific. I like seeing hard nose defense and they always say it's betting against human achievement. Well, you're achieving great defense. That's what we like to see. So that is always terrific. Now let's take a look at the college football playoff, and we'll lead off with you on this one, Stephanie, as we've got out there in Atlanta, Georgia, the Peach Bowl, as it's Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia opened up in a lot of places a seven-point favorite. Now they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite, with the total on this game going up to between 62 and 62 and, a half. and I'm not sure if you see it the way that I do, but if you like Ohio State, you probably like the over. You like them to be able to scratch out quite a few points against my opinion, really, the nation's best defense in Georgia. Meanwhile, if you like this total under, it probably bodes very well for Georgia, them being able to contain CJ Stroud. What is your overall take on this game? Because I feel like the side and total in this game might be a little bit correlated.
6: Yeah, the total, both of these teams are trending in opposite directions. Georgia's good for an under, Ohio State's good for an over, but this is a tricky one because I do, while I do love Ohio State as a four seed in this playoff as an underdog, they're great with a chip on their shoulder for my time covering this team and and being close to the program. I just don't know if they have that magical it factor like they did in the 2014 season when they won speaking with a third string quarterback, as you were just mentioning against an sec opponent on their way to win the national championship. I don't know if it's in the cards this season, while the Buckeyes are the runaway favorite in the betting market, 66.7% of the bets. The the, sports folks aren't representing that in any shifts in, in any way. So I'm nervous to take a spread on this one just because of that that chip on the shoulder mentality that Ohio State's so good for. So I'm going to lean towards taking Ohio State over 14 and a half points in the second half for plus 110. I love that because really they're a great second half team. You can get, you know, part of that over that you were looking for. And when you look at Georgia's defense, not as dominant as it was last year. They lost a lot of starters to the NFL draft. And they gave up more than 20 points just one time last season. That was against Alabama in the SEC Championship. They have already done that four times this season. And Ohio State, they've only, get, they've only gone under that mark in two other games besides that mission game. Once in Northwestern, there was a big weather condition in that one. And then Notre Dame in that first game. So I think Ohio State should have a good second half offensively. You get Maya Williams back. But really, there's too much working against them with the way that Georgia's been so consistent on defense. So we'll see how it plays out, but I do like Ohio State's over in the second half.
4: Yep, with Ohio State, they certainly have been able to get things cooking with CJ Stroud. He was able to make it back to New York for the Heisman for the Heisman ceremony. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get it in. Why Stetson Bennett was there? I have no idea, but you've got two guys that have went to New York for the ceremony that are going to be taking part in this one. And Kobe, where do you stand in terms of this Georgia versus Ohio state game with Georgia safe or Georgia being about a six half point favorite.
7: I like Ohio state. And I know, you know, obviously I liked it a little more when I knew Travion Henderson might play or, or Smith and Jigba, but I still think, you know, last year I was saying this, uh, had Ohio state beaten Michigan. I thought they had the remedy to beat Georgia and you saw it with the SEC championship a year ago, not, not the LSU. one when Bama did, uh, play them a year ago and beat them in the SEC championship. They were able to exploit their secondary and and you know they were able to pass on them. And Bama probably would have beat them the second time had injuries not not plagued them at the wide receiver position. Uh, Ohio State's okay. Smith and Jig was fantastic. He's gone. This receiving room is 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 phenomenal. Even even players that you haven't even seen grab catches. I'm telling you, this this unit is by far the biggest strength I think on this Ohio State team. I think they're going to be able to exploit. Uh, the, the Georgia secondary, who I think is worse this year than actually last year. And, you know, the, I think the key is they got to get up in early in the game because Stetson Bennett, we hardly ever see it where he's got a battle back. Now, he is playing way beyond whatever I thought, you know, he could he could achieve. So credit to him. But I, I think Ohio State also, you got to think about this. People were calling for Ryan Day's job from a motivational side of this. Georgia's already won the national championship. Ohio State's been told, you know, some people think they don't even belong. Some people are, oh, you know, Ryan Day should be fired. I think this is a great motivational factor for him for a month to sit on this and to, and to study this game. And, and really, I think they have the pieces that can really exploit the weaknesses of the Georgia
4: Bulldogs. Yep. I do think that with Ohio State, it's such an interesting spot for them to be in. We all thought that they were dead after they lost that game to Michigan. Here they are in the college football playoff. And. It was interesting to take a look at the final week of the season as well and watch that TCU versus Kansas State game as now TCU, they get Michigan. Michigan has went from being a 9.5-point favorite to now being more on a 7.5 to an 8-point favorite. A little bit of movement on the total to about 58.5. Stephanie, we'll start with you on this one. Where do you stand in terms of TCU versus Michigan?
6: Yeah, you know I've loved TCU all season. Great cover team, but I'm still just so impressed with the way Michigan bottled against Ohio State. They prepared for that game. It's a 365-day preparation for that rivalry game, and Harbaugh showed up. So I think that the way that they prepare for this one, they should be able to be battle-tested for TCU. Max Duggan and Quinton Johnston, I love that combo. But I think the key is actually going to be at the running back in Miller, who should be able to pick up some yards against a Michigan team that allowed Purdue to march up and down the field against them but they didn't finish in the red zone. So I think TCU can have a better spot in that one. And I think the unsung hero down the stretch for this team was really in their defense when they would step up in big spots. The way they held Bijan Robinson to 29 yards on just 12 carries was remarkable. And we know that that's Michigan's skill set is that run game. So this should be an interesting matchup. Again, I'm nervous to take a spread. I love TCU in those short games, but Michigan, I love them plus 300 to win it all. I think they're the ones the team to beat this season so i'm gonna take a first half bet on michigan minus four and a half because tcu like ohio state is a great second half team so they should get out there hot and staying away from that second half i'll live bet it because if tcu is actually down by six within that mark i like them to win it all so i or win that game so i'll take them in a money line so i'm gonna live bet that one but to start taking michigan first half four and a half
4: Yep, I think that t- being able to take a look at how you think these halves are going to be going as well is very interesting. And Kobe, I know you're going to be sticking around for me or with me for a little bit of college basketball as well. But here in the final thirty seconds, anything in terms of this Michigan versus CCU game?
7: I like the Horn Frogs and the points. I think uh, Joe Golding, one of the more underrated defensive coordinators uh, in, in college football. And then also, how about Lincoln Riley's brother Garrett Riley? I, I Jim Harbaugh is fantastic, and and you know. He's got this program, you know, two years ago, people were calling for him to be gone, but I think, I think TCU can scheme up just as good as, as Harbaugh will be able to, I think they can stay in this game. And I actually, you know, I think they feel like they've been disrespected all year. So once again, I st- I still think the motivational side of it goes with the horn frogs. I like TCU to cover this and, and even on the money line
4: and kobe we're gonna go from michigan football to michigan basketball because i know that you're joining me next great to have stephanie odia aboard. does great work over at lineups and over at big 10 network and coming in next we talk to kobe of sports gambling podcast network about the wednesday college basketball card here on vson Sports bank network
5: and these stories are about how we got here both on and off the court and what's next listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
6: you're experiencing hoops Peterson
1: himself on VSN, the sports betting network
4: The gift that keeps on giving, that is vSin. So become a pro subscriber today and get access to everything that we do now through the big dance for just $79. Sign up today and you'll also receive $20 to buy V-SIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear at our online store. Only vSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recaps of all the top plays made by vSun show us and guests tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and the bets are moving. For every single game, deep dive betting reports, plus our ongoing college bowl coverage with best bets on every single bowl game. This is a limited time offer, so sign up for the perfect sports betting holiday gift and get VEASAN Pro access all the way through the end of March. That is at VCN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be rejoined by Kobe Dant, does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Kobe, let's take a look at some college basketball for this Wednesday and Let's lead off with a game that it's labeled a anti-air quotes here. Neutral court game. Let's call it what it is. This is a home game for North Carolina. It's going to be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's them in Michigan. I wonder who's going to have more fans in the sands as right now, North Carolina, they're between a four and a half to a five point favorite total on this game. It's ranging between 153 and a half and 155. So we're seeing a lot of movement in terms of the total. And I do take a look at the spot and, I pretty much graded it as if I would a home game for North Carolina. I make them right around about a five and a half point favorite. The five that I'm seeing, it's a max I'd be willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay it here. I'm not sure where you stand, but I do think that for North Carolina, this game being played in their home state just absolutely massive in this spot.
7: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I I think Michael Jordan is is one the one responsible for putting this. this it's a event. jump
4: man invitational, yeah.
7: Yeah. So not only that, you have him I'm sure he'll be there. He's a Carolina guy. Uh, Not only do I think his team will want to impress for him, it's Michael Jordan, you know, Uh, but uh, I think this is the game we're going to find out. You know, Llewellyn, Jalen Llewellyn's out for the season for Michigan, and we really haven't seen them pay the price for that yet. I think this could be the one I kind of, you know, watching that Ohio State, North Carolina game in uh, in in MSG. It seemed like North Carolina might have just saved their season with Pete Nance making that that game winner to push it to overtime. Uh, Carolina's defense has been terrible all year, but I'm with you. I think the crowd noise is going to be a factor. I think this is all going to be a Carolina crowd. I know they say Michigan travels. Well, it, this is a, this is going to be a Carolina crowd. Uh, yeah. Don't. Uh, yeah. Maybe what? Two, 2% Michigan fans. Maybe, uh, I'm all over the tar heels here. I think they're, that, that game saved their season
4: perhaps. And by the way, guess who was on the wrong side of North Carolina and Ohio state. So oh, that was that was a tough one on Saturday. Pair that up with the Patriots failing me on Sunday. And that was not necessarily the world's greatest weekend. So hopefully this treats us a little bit better. And well, speaking of a team that has failed all year long, the Cal golden bears are going to be playing us to the UT Arlington Mavericks with UT Arlington coming off of a really nice win on the road against San Francisco. line right on this game is Cal being between a four and four and a half point favorite. I don't know about you, but out of principle, I can't take a look at a winless team and lay points with them in this spot with Cal. I mean, David Eskew actually left the game early that they played against Santa Clara with an injury. And if he gets rolled out for this game, which I think he's going to play, but that is something that is still in the back of my mind. This is a Cal team that really doesn't have much outside of him. And even with them on the floor, this has been a really sad offense. I want to get your thoughts here because I just take a look at the spot, and I don't know if UT Arlington wins outright, but even if they lose, I think that they could keep this within a possession or two. I,
7: we see eye to eye here. I mean, I, I was shocked at the line because UT the Mavericks of UTA uh, they've looked good. I, they, they, I mean, yes, they've lost uh, what three of four, but when you go into and you look at that they, at LSU, a four point loss, the North Texas game I think was a two or three point uh, the loss. Uh, Texas State was a close loss too, and I think all of those, even Texas State, who lost to a D two school not not long ago, I still think they're probably better than Cal. Uh, no one goes to these games. I don't know, you know, no disrespect to, to Cal. I don't know if they're just uh, you know not interested. I'm surprised Mark Fox still has a job, so I wonder about the motivational side of it. I also just believe that you can't lay points right now with Cal. We've watched them all year. We've seen them against a lot of mid majors struggle and lose one after one I'm with you. Give me the Mavericks. And yeah, I mean, I, I even think money line play here, even though, you know, Cal, I just can't see a situation where they could win by more
4: than four and a half, you know, like, so give me UTA. They're the better team. Yep. We're in total agreement there. I mean, this is a Cal team that they're winless and they're laying points right now against a team that just won on the road against San Francisco. I think that that pretty much explains it right there. And we were talking about these neutral court games and we have got another one of these just hilarious ones. Utah is going to be playing at CCU on a neutral court, which it's where the Utah jazz play. So it's going to be a nice car ride for a lot of the Utah faithful. Meanwhile, TCU has to go from the great state of Texas and they have to go to the mountain time zone. And yet we're going to try to sell this as a neutral court game. Sorry for another day, but that said with Utah, they opened up a pick'em. Now they're between a one and a half and a two-point favorite. And I'm very much in favor of this line move. Now TCU is finally at full staff for the first time all season. Getting back guys like Damian Bob, Mike Miles. That's big for them. But I really like this Utah team. And once again, pretty much a home game here for Utah.
7: Yeah, correct. And I and, and you gotta look at the situational side of this. Craig Smith uh done a great job with with Utah, but they they lost in Provo to their rivals in, in what are they, the holy war on the Harwood, they, they say there. But, uh, you know, Utah battled back from 17 in that game to get that thing close to two or three. They end up losing it. I've been really impressed with this Utah team all season here. And I I, I, I mean, I guess it's not on campus, but I still expect this to be full Utah crowd here. Um, and you look at some of the things they do. And, and TCU, I feel like they're improved because the first week of the season, they were. Ba- I know they had some injuries. But they were just barely beating these mid majors as like 30 point favorites, uh, night in, night out. But Utah's the fifth best rebounding team in the country, which is shocking to me because I feel like TCU's been a great rebounding team in years past. They're the better rebounding team by, by a pretty substantial amount here. Uh, they also, uh, chart right there with TCU from a defensive standpoint. I understand TCU plays in the Big 12, Big 12's been phenomenal, you know, this year and the past couple of years, but, uh, they haven't really played the Big 12 schedule yet, so I think, uh, at a conference-wise, I think Utah's really shown that they can hang. Craig Smith's turning this program into something. I'm on the Utes at home. i they're there to ride that momentum. I can't
4: see them dropping two in a row. Yep, I think we're in total agreement there. And then let's take a look at this ACC battle: as Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, a one-point underdog with a total between 38 and 38.5, and, and I'll say two relatively surprising teams. Georgia Tech, some people thought was going to be the worst power team in all of college basketball, and I wasn't necessarily disagreeing there. They've actually been able to get some wins. Meanwhile, Clemson, even without P.J. Hall, they looked relatively respectable. Now they're doing a good job of being able to bomb it from three-point range. Where do you stand on this one? Because it's a pair of teams that little was expected of, and so far, so good for both of them.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been really, really surprised with Clemson. I had them against Richmond the other night. And that treated me really well, Not, didn't sweat for a second. But, you know, you're right. I, I expected Georgia Tech to be much worse. Now, both these coaches, I think, a little bit on the hot seat. So it's good to see them be able to exhale, say, hey, everything's working out. Just give us time. I think Clemson's the better team, though. I think they're the more battle-tested team. I They, they do have that blemish to uh, Loyola Chicago, who hasn't looked great this year. But besides that, recently they, they've looked good in, in a few of their outings. Like I said, the Richmond game. Also, Towson, who's a respectable mid-major, even though they just lost to Northern Iowa. Uh, uh, Wake Forest, the Penn State game. Um, Clemson's been pretty solid. I think they're the better team. I, if anything, I was a bit surprised at the line. I kind of
4: thought Clemson would be like more of a four or five-point favorite. Um, were you shocked at all at that line? Yep, I certainly was, because I set my line more around three to three and a half personally. So I was thinking, oh, if I could get four or five points here, might be a good play on Georgia Tech. Here at one, it's a take for me on Clemson. So it feels like we're in the same boat there.
7: Yeah, yeah. I'm taking Clemson as well. I don't think this Georgia Tech team is as good as its record. I think that the schedule's been kind of favorable for them. They were able to escape. I think it was the Georgia State game. They were able to escape the Georgia game. I'm not sold on them all the way yet, where Clemson, I think, is more battle-tested and proven that they're a a, a decent team, an NCAA tournament-caliber team,
4: perhaps. Yep, I'm in agreement with you there on Kobe. It's going to be a great Wednesday college basketball card. I know that you're doing a ton of great work over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Always do appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. Anytime. Appreciate you having me. Great to be able to get Kobe aboard. He does a great job in terms of just pretty much everything college sports. College football, college basketball, and is his main role over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and This is the time of the show in which I give you my Visa Pro Tip for this hour. Visa.com slash subscribe. We've got you covered with a Pro Tip every single hour on this show. And with regards to what we were just talking about, Kobe, take a look at these neutral court games and see where the game is actually being played at. It sounds a little bit elementary, but with like North Carolina and Michigan. The fact that it's in the great state of North Carolina and it's the Jumpman Invitational. I wonder who gets the home court advantage there or a game involving Utah and TCU in well, the great state of Utah, so always do be taking a look at that. You can find a little bit of an edge there, and coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at more of the off-the-beaten-path games for this college basketball Wednesday here on Beeson Esports Bank Network.